everyone, and welcome to our second episode of our journey through childhood cancer. I am your host, Ben Schroyer, and in our first episode, I discussed with you a little bit about the diagnosis. I shared with you our story, how our daughter Hannah fell ill, how we ended up at John Hopkins Hall Children's Hospital in St. Pete, and how we were eventually diagnosed with stage four high-risk neuroblastoma, a life shattering, changing diagnosis. You'll hear me say this a few times in this podcast is, you know, we have this new diagnosis and we have to come to the realization that this is our new normal. This is it. This is the life we're going to have to now accept and and live. And, And it's so true. And as a newly diagnosed family, if you're just now being diagnosed, Understanding and wrapping your head around the fact that this is our new normal is going to help you so much creating your plans, your journey, what have you. And before I get into a little bit about Hannah's, you know, first round of chemo and and how our journey, you know, began, I want to throw out to you guys some some advice, especially for new newly diagnosed families. Something I wish, you know, we would have done differently um, had we known at the time. First of all, lean on others. Get your support group in place because you're going to need them. You're, you're going to need uh, your not only your family, but your good friends. And, and let your friends know it's okay to not know what to say. My best friend didn't speak to me for three or four days after Hannah was diagnosed. I ran into him and he just started crying and gave me a big hug because he didn't know what to say. So he just didn't say anything at all. Well, I, I needed my best friend and, and I should have maybe reached out to him and said, I don't know if you have heard which he had already heard what was going on and, and just let him know that I'm going to need you, man. I'm going to need you during this journey. I'm going to, I'm going to need my best friend. So it's okay to tell your friends that it's okay if you don't know what to say. I'm just going to let you know I'm going to need you in my life because I'm going to need my friends. Whether it be to, to just someone to talk to or someone to help you pick up your kids from school or, or take to sporting events, dance, whatever it may be. You're going to need them in your life and you're going to need your family. And trust me when I say this, you're going to become a lot stronger of a family. You're going to, you're going to pull together and you're really going to be there for one another because you have to, you have to at this point. The other thing I want to mention too, before I get into our, our journey is rely on specialists like your social worker, your child life specialist, they're a huge help. They're, they're going to be able to point you in directions that you're truly going to be able to, to utilize. Uh, one thing that, you know, looking back that we didn't do is we, we didn't really ask our social worker for information on foundations that can help us financially because one we were too proud and two 
we didn't really know too much about it because, and, and I've shared this, you know, being a childhood cancer foundation now, I've shared this with some social workers that I've talked to. I said, I recommend, just, just, just a recommendation, and as a, a childhood cancer family, you'd understand what I'm getting ready to say because you, multiple families I've talked to said the same thing. You know, when you're first diagnosed, you meet your social worker. They give you all this information, which is very helpful information. But in there is information about foundations, list of foundations that are willing to help financially and this and that and the other. It's great information. It really is good information to have. But the, the problem with it is, 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 is it's too soon. You're, you're overwhelmed already with this newly diagnosis and this new journey that lays ahead of you and this new normal that you have, and you're so worried about it. Like, that stuff is, is minimal. Like I said, when, when I was first told about, you know, learning about Hannah's diagnosis, I didn't care about anything else. All I cared about is, okay, what is it going to take to make her better? Because that's what's the most important thing. Bills... That kind of stuff, I didn't I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't care if I had to give it all away. All I cared about at that point in time was my daughter and her health. Well, reality does kick in and life doesn't stop. And those bills pile up and they get worse and worse and worse. And you get eviction letters and you get repossession letters and phone calls. And just don't let it get that far you're going to have to rely on this. And I've told the social workers, why don't you give it a, you know, give them the information, but a few weeks into it, go back in there and remind them of it. Talk to them about it. People are proud and they don't always want to ask for help. And some, most, I would say 75% of the families that we help through our foundation now didn't want to ask for help. They don't want a handout. And it's not a handout. That's what's important to understand. It's not a handout. It's a help up. Because there's nothing else to do. It's not like you're being a deadbeat. It's not like you're sitting at home not wanting to work. It's because you can't work. Because you're at the hospital with your child who's fighting for their life. So don't be too proud to ask for help. They're there for you. We're here for you. Foundations exist for this very reason. End of rant. Don't be too proud to ask for help. So we have this new diagnosis, right? Hannah's journey, if you will, our journey with this childhood cancer. Her tumor did come back, biopsy that it was cancer. Her tumor was located on her uh, lower abdomen. Later to find out that it had fully engulfed one of her kidneys kind of grew across the back of her stomach and was starting to attach to the other kidney. And we'll get into the, that further on in this journey. And uh, so we have this new journey. We have this new diagnosis. And now we have the treatment program that we got to put her on. So Hannah's treatment program started off by five rounds of chemo with each round of chemo consisting of multiple different types of chemos, right? So 
normally on a chemo treatment plan, you have, you know, five or six days of treatment. You go home, you go back to the hospital a week or so later, do blood work, clinic visit, and you find out if you're good enough to start your second round and your third round and your fourth round. So it's just, it's, it's a long journey. Well, Hannah started off with the, uh, the chemo treatments and I don't remember if it's three or four days into it, just a few days into it. The good news was the chemo was working. It was starting to kill the tumor that she had in her lower abdomen, but it caused a separate complication, right? And that's, that's the crazy thing about chemo is, you know, we're poisoning our children to try to make them better, but all the other side effects and the complications that can come along with it. So it's killing the tumor, but it's creating all this fluid buildup. And instead of passing the fluid, it got pushed up into her chest cavity and allowing for her to her pleural cavity collapsing. And, you know, all the, the timing of all this is always still fuzzy at times because it was just one of those, oh, my goodness, we just started on this journey and we've been throwing a curveball. And you'll learn in a childhood cancer journey that there's multiple curveballs and you just got to learn to hit them. Got to learn to hit them. And so... The, they showed us on the x-ray, and I remember looking at the x-ray, you got one side of her chest, you know, clear, and this other side looked like fog, clouds, right? Well, that was because that was all fluid in her left lung, and her lung collapsed. So they had to take her into emergency surgery and in, insert a chest tube to start draining all the fluid off of her left lung which ended her up in ICU for the first time. So I'm going up the ICU floor. She's got all this cords hooked up to her. And it just, it's so hard to see, right? It, to, to, to have to truly accept this new normal in this journey and to see her child hooked up to all this, all these tubes and, now she has this tube in the side of her chest that's draining into this reservoir. It's uh, it's hard to take. And what else is hard to take is sitting up, sitting up there on the ICU floor. I remember hearing this little girl at the end of the hall screaming for mommy and daddy. And it was like, d d does she not have parents? Like, poor thing. And, you know, I, I, I asked the, the nurse, I believe, I, I said, what, 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 what's going on down the hall? Like, she's really upset. Like, she's crying for mommy and daddy. Is mommy and daddy not here? And, no. Mom and dad weren't there. Because mom and dad had to work. And their work wouldn't allow them to be off. And if it wasn't because they didn't allow them to be off, or they couldn't afford to pay their bills if they didn't work. So this poor child is sitting in this room by themselves in pain, and all they want is mom or dad, 
and they can't be there because they have to work. Something about that is just not right. And then, and then I'm not blaming the parents for that at all because they were doing what they had to do when they had to do it. But that's why foundations like us exist. So stuff like that doesn't have to happen. In fact, I've talked to multiple families who said they've heard the same thing. After hearing it, they can never do that to their child. They can never leave their child's side. And, and my wife never left Hannah's side, ever left Hannah's side. And I, I've, I've said this a thousand times. If it wasn't for my wife and how she cared for our daughter, I can't tell you that Hannah would have made it through this journey without her. She was amazing. Amazing. She, she is so good with the medical stuff and the journals and the writing and the documentations, asking the right questions, doing some homework, doing her own research. And that's what it takes. It takes that. And you mamas out there, hats off. Because us men can't do that. Most of us men can't do that. You are strong individuals and you are amazing mothers. And you deserve all the credit because these children need their mama. And they need they need someone other than the medical team to get them through this. So Anna's in the hospital and she's got this chest tube and 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 we still have the boys at home right so i would i would always at least for the first month i didn't work at all it was learning this new normal learning this new diagnosis trying to figure out how to navigate this crazy journey of childhood cancer i would take the boys to school in the morning I would come to the hospital during the day and I'd leave in time to go get them from school. And sometimes I didn't come up during the day and I waited till the kids got out of school and then we all went up because the, the boys want to, wanted to see their mom and they wanted to see Hannah. And they were so good to her. They really were. They, they read her books. They tried to cheer her up. And it was, it was, it was needed and Hannah needed them. So always make sure you try to do that. And, and in this podcast, I'm going to interview at least one of my sons. Uh, one of them wants to come on here and the other one, not so much. And my, so when I take the boys up to the hospital and they play with Hannah, we'd come home and I always tried to, as, as a father, I tried to, one, keep it together for them, right? Like they needed to, to know that dad was being strong in all this. Is it okay to cry? Absolutely. But it's also, they, they needed to know that I could be their rock for them and that it wasn't all coming, you know, the whole house of cards wasn't falling down kind of thing because... They needed to know that dad was strong. And so many times I, re I remember coming home with them and, you know, learning the news of his ICU stay now or, or 
more complications that, that were coming up. And it just eaten at me, but I didn't want the boys to know that it was. So, so many times I would just say, okay, guys, I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom, take a shower. I'll be out in a minute. And that's where I would go to, to lose it, right? That's where I go to uh, cry, uh, drop to my knees and pray to God. There was times I would take a shower at three o'clock in the morning just because I woke up and I couldn't get back to sleep. And I was worried about Hannah and I wanted so bad to text Ginger and just say, how is she doing? But I knew if something wasn't good, she would let me know anyways. So, and she was probably sleeping. I don't want to bother her. And so the, this, it was, it was tough. It was tough to deal with. And it was uh, tough to deal with on my own a lot of times because I didn't want the boys to see it. And I always tried to distract the boys. One of the things I, I remember doing in, looking back, it was, it was actually enjoyable was when we got home and we ate dinner, I would put on a movie and I'm talking about a good movie, right? I did the throwbacks from when I was a kid. I did angels in the outfield, rookie of the year, little big league, little giants, free Willie. And the one they liked the best was the Mighty Ducks series. And so I, I played Mighty Ducks one night for them, and they were like, that was the coolest movie ever, Dad. And I go, really? Well, I'm glad you liked it because there's a second Mighty Ducks, and we'll watch it tonight, tomorrow night. And and they, they watched it, and they're like, oh, this is so cool, so cool, you know? And I'm like, I'm glad you like it because – there's a third Mighty Ducks, and we'll watch it again tomorrow night. So it was it was uh, it was a break from our little reality in this new normal, and it and it kept their minds off of just sitting around and stewing about how mom and Hannah are, and and that was one of the things I tried to do to distract the boys was let's make it a movie night every evening, and let's watch a different movie. And let's talk about the movie. Let's enjoy that. And then they go to bed, get up, school, hospital, home, movie. We just try to create a, a, a pattern. Well, that brings me to my next guest, which is going to be my son, Hunter. He, uh, he has agreed to come on this podcast. So I'm going to bring him on here. I'm going to take a short break. Uh, and be right back with him and we'll go over a little bit about uh, you know his thoughts and feelings and some advice that he maybe have to some other siblings out there as well so please uh please don't go anywhere i'll be right back here in like uh 20 30 seconds okay welcome back as I promised, I brought on my son, Hunter. Hunter uh, Schroyer, say hi. Hi. Okay, so Hunter, in this episode, I'm, I've been going over a little bit about how our journey began, right? Mm -hmm. I, in the first episode, I spoke of our diagnosis, uh, how we kind of absorbed that that news of, of being told that our, you know, my 
my daughter had cancer, your, your sister had cancer. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went through a little bit about how I handled it and, and how your mom kind of handled it differently than I did. And, you know, I, I went through explaining to you boys about your sister and what was going on with her. And so now that I'm bringing you on, I kind of would like to, you know, get your, uh, your take on it a little bit. So my first question to you is, you know, you were five years old when your sister was diagnosed with a very high risk cancer. And so first of all, first question I have, do you, do you remember it? Uh, I don't remember getting told at first, but like, I remember most of the story. Most of the story or most of the journey? Most of the journey. Okay. So what can you tell me as far as what you recall from Hannah being sick until, you know, today, uh, which would be six years later? Um, well, it was, it was like, since I was five, kind of like shocking because actually I didn't really know what cancer was. I just knew it was a bad disease and I was wondering if Hannah was going to die or something like that. Like, so, so that, that, that question came up, you know, with, with you and Hayden a few times was she's in the hospital, you know, she's very sick and you know, the question kept coming up is, is Hannah going to die? And I mean, is that, is that how you truly felt? I mean, did you truly believe that you might lose your little sister over this, this illness? Yeah, possibly. Well, that's pretty hard for a five-year-old to take, right? Yeah. What do you remember most about your sister's journey? Um, I remember walking into the room every time we'd go visit her, and then she was like, it, it was sad to see her in a condition like that. Yeah. That's what you, like, take from it the most? Is is that what you remember? It's not, not the only thing I remember, but. No? Okay, well, go into, go, tell, tell us about it. What um, do you remember? What, what bothered you um, most? What bothered me the most was probably that worrying that my sister has that type of disease. And it was like shocking because, I mean, you know about that disease, but then you know a lot more about it and what it actually can do when someone close to you gets it. Yeah. So the, the fear of what can happen in a cancer journey comes, comes to real reality for you right yeah and if if you had to give any other siblings right now some advice so let's just say we have a family now that's been diagnosed with cancer and the and a little brother around five years old is being told that their sister or brother has uh, been diagnosed with childhood cancer what is your advice to them like what what would you say if there's if there's anything you could do different for one and two, what is, what is, what is it you would like to tell them that might help them 
understand or not really just understand, but help them through this? Um, what I would have done different is I would have prayed a lot more, but I didn't really know much about the church and all that at five. I would have played, prayed a lot more. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. And anything else you would do different? Um, probably, probably play with her more when we visited her. Because at the time, I still didn't know she was going to make it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. And we'll probably talk to you a couple more times throughout this uh podcasts and several different episodes and maybe maybe your brother as well I'm, I'm hoping to bring him on here next if he's willing to do it um, I'm going to take a short break here for about 20 to 30 seconds see if he's willing to come on um, if not we'll go into the next part of this uh, podcast see you in a few I did. It worked. He decided he'd come on and say a few words. So, uh, Hayden, let me start off by saying, you know, you're what, 14 now? Yeah. Yeah. So, Hayden was eight years old when he was first diagnosed with cancer. And can you tell us a little bit about, you know, one, what what you recall from from that day and, and kind of what, what we said, you know, you're older than your, your brother was. So five years old is, it's kind of hard for him to, to remember, but at eight, you know, you have a little bit more of a good memory of, of, of how things unfolded in this childhood cancer journey. So explain to us a little bit about maybe uh, what you remember from it and how it made you feel. Okay. So I don't, initially like i can't like i don't remember what or how i was told because that was a long time ago but i just remember having the like process that my little sister has cancer and you have to go all the way from here to saint pete and we went up there probably once every week. Oh, more than that. Probably. Is it, it was every two or three days. We definitely yeah. made the trip. If it wasn't every day for a while. Yeah. It was every every other day, every few days. Yeah. But we go up there and hang out with them for a little bit and then go home and do it again. You miss your mom? Yeah. Yeah. Had to had to live with dad. <laughs> was, I lived with you for a long time. <laughs> Just just me and the boys, right? You yeah. remember what we used to do? Watch movies. <laughs> yeah, we did. A lot of them. A lot of them. Remember the, the Mighty Duck series? Is that I, I, was, I mentioned on the podcast before you came on that uh, you know I'd always do some throwbacks, movies as, from when I was a kid, like uh, Rookie of the Year, Little Big League, uh, Angels in the Outfield, and then the Mighty Duck series, the one the two, and yes, the three. <laughs> you guys yeah. were always excited when I told you that there's another Mighty Ducks, and there's another Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then you kind of used uh, baseball as an out a little bit too, right? You were playing some, some baseball at the time, eight yeah. years old, playing 8U. Uh, that got my mind off of like what was happening outside of sports and stuff. Yeah, outside of the hospital and what yeah. was going on with your little sister. Do you, um, you know, it's like, like ask your brother, and, and you may have a better answer for uh, older siblings now going through what, what you had to go through at a younger age. You know, at, at the age uh, of 14 now, if, if you could give any advice to any siblings that might be listening whose little brother or sister may have just been diagnosed or, you know, a, a younger sibling whose older brother or sister may have gotten diagnosed, what what is your advice or what would you throw out to them as far as one what would you do different and two what is your advice to them moving forward well one thing i would do different is probably the same thing hunter said was talk to god more about it and pray about it and all that but if i had any advice for anybody it probably to be spend like whenever you're with them, spend as much quality time as you can with them because you don't know if that what day they're gonna take their last breath or what day you're gonna see them last, and just talk to God about it. Pray. We got pretty good at talking to God about it, didn't we? Yeah. It, one thing I I tried to avoid some in this podcast because you know it's it can be a hit or miss topic with people is is the power of God in, in, in a journey like this. And, and you got to lean on him. You do. I did. Um, when my grandpa was still alive and Hannah was first diagnosed with this, this journey, you know, my, my grandma and my grandpa, when I was little, they lost a, a son in a, in a tragic accident. And, you know, I've asked him in the past and I asked him, you know, Hannah got diagnosis. I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Granddad, you know, I just I don't know how to process this information. And I, I hate that we have to go through it. And, and I hate that our family has to go through it. And, you know, when you lost David, you know, how did you, how did you get through it? And he said, uh, words I'll never forget. Uh, I leaned on God, Ben. And, uh, I knew in this journey that I was going to have to do the same. So whatever your faith is, whatever your religion is, good, bad, or indifferent, you got to find that out. And you got to, you got to, you got to give it, give it to them. You got to give it to them. Um, and, and I'm proud of you, Hayden, for saying that, you know, knowing now what, what you know now versus what you knew then is that you would pray more. That means you've developed a better relationship with God. And that's a, that's an awesome, an awesome thing. So I'm really proud of you for coming on. Um, you have anything else you'd like to say? No, no, no. <laughs> All right, buddy. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll, we may circle back to you later on some of these podcasts for, right. for some different things. And, but uh, again, thanks. Thank you, buddy. All right, we'll be back in like 30 seconds, and you're going to have me again.
welcome back everybody. You just got to meet Hayden and Hunter, my two older boys. Hayden is 14 now and Hunter is now 11 years old. Hayden was 8 years old and Hunter was 5 at the time of Hannah's diagnosis. So you got to hear a little bit about, you know, who, how they felt and what they would do different and, you know, their advice for siblings. It was still hard for them to, you know, really recall and remember back, but they don't, they don't like, they're kind of like my wife. They don't like to talk about it too much because they get upset. There's definitely some traumatic experiences and stress and disorders that comes from this journey, especially with them, especially with Hunter. Hayden has a little bit better of grip on reality than, than I would say, 95% of the kids in his age group do. He understands it. Sometimes people get sick. Sometimes they make it. Sometimes they don't. Life is just not always fair. And he'll tell you that. He gets it. But what I'm most proud about, and again, I'm not going to lean on this whole religion thing too much because I, I know that some people struggle with that during a journey like this, but I'm very proud of their faith in God and their their love for God and their relationship they've developed with him over time because it is it is something that I had to do myself was lean on God and and for them to take that away from our journey and understand that sometimes the power of prayer works and that there is there is strength and that and and we relied on our prayer warriors we really did and and i truly believe by the grace of god that's that's some of the reasons why we made it through this good bad or indifferent we made it through it because god helped us through it and we prayed and we did pray we all prayed as a family and the boys just got closer and closer to God over time. So I'm very proud of their faith and, and them being willing to share that, that they wish they would have prayed more and they would have talked to God more because I know that that really got me through it. You know, when I was six years old, I had some traumatic stress in my life. I, I lost my uncle again, at, like I said earlier, at a very early age uh, to a bad accident. Uh, I didn't quite understand it, you know, try to wrap my head around it at that time. I was six years old, you know, and later on in life, looking back and, and remembering the time that I had with him, because I do remember him, you know, I, I uh, had some issues with that and something I haven't shared yet with, with everybody is when I, I've, I've dealt with childhood cancer my entire life. When I was six years old, right around the same time that I lost my uncle to the bad accident, I, uh, my, my cousin, Adam, was diagnosed with childhood cancer. So I've, I've dealt with childhood cancer all my life. And I remember going to his house when he'd come home from the hospital and he's just laying in the bed hooked up to tubes and 
it that's all I can remember. Like not good fond memories of how he looked and and what he what he had to go through. He was in a wheelchair a lot. I have I have pictures of of me standing next to him when he was in a wheelchair. And he had a medulloblastoma. And they've come a long way with that cancer. They really have. And he battled it for a long time and you know, he achieved remission. And he was doing good and fell into relapse. And unfortunately, I believe at the age of eight, my, my cousin took his last breath. And I was there for it. The whole family was. And it affected me. But I, I remember, you know, just only being five or six years old, wondering why everybody was so sad. So the younger kids and younger siblings, they don't really recall it until they get a little bit older and they remember. They remember what happened. They know what happened. They, they can remember that there was something that happened. They, you know, I clearly remember Adam and his life, but they, they also know that something, something happened that's bad. And then later on in life, it affects them. Cause looking back, I get upset knowing that that's what he went through. I feel, you know, like, why couldn't have I been a better cousin? Why couldn't I have been there more? Couldn't I like my boy said, spend more time with him. Pray to God more. Learn God more. Understand God more. So these these kids just, they process things so much differently than we do as adults. And we just got to remember that. And understand that. And doing so is going to help them so much in this journey. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for the second episode and a little bit about how our journey started. And you got to hear from the boys and a little bit from the siblings aspect of things and how they took it. And next week I'm going to have a family on that's going to share their story. And they have siblings as well, children as well that, that have siblings. So they're going to share their story and, and how they made it through it and any suggestions that they have. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Thank you guys all again for tuning in. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really hope that you're getting something out of this. Again, you can always email me if you have anything that you one want me to say or two want to be on the podcast. You can always email me at our journey with childhood cancer at gmail.com again that's our journey with childhood cancer.com thank you again god bless and i can't wait to see you guys next week